I read you. Where are you? Flying blind on a rocket cycle. Flying blind on a rocket cycle? And now, my friend, the first rule of Italian driving. What's behind me is not important. At the beginning, when you try the first time the 500, Fourth is Sylvain Gintoli. Sylvain taking a second out of Tony Elias in one lap with five to go. Permission to become a complete fan. Uh, no, I am your mate. <laughs> Sorry. Go on, Sylvain. Rostrum boy. I hope you're up early in Balston. Come on, Caroline. I'm sure you can travel hard enough. Put the bottle down. It's too early. Racing it. Life. Anything that happened before or after, just waiting. Here's Nicky Hayden. He heads the second row of the grid. Nicky Hayden, his penultimate race with the Honda squad, ridden for Honda for so many years, did the odd race in America with Suzuki in his early years. Thank you to my uh, American, uh, well, mate who's over there on the, through cyberspace who does a podcast who uh, very uh, helpfully dropped me an email just to remind me of Nikki's early days hey 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 everybody welcome back welcome back to the show of record the show that matters and the show that puts you on pole position for the news the commentary and the opinion in the world of motorcycle road racing yes it is now episode number 88, the Andrew Pitt edition of the show. Good to have you back here. Good to be back in the saddle once again. Uh, late getting the show out this week, and that's just uh, some scheduling issues on uh, my my uh, my end. So uh, recording this thing Saturday just about noon, so lots of stuff going on with the final round of MotoGP. And by the time most of you uh, get this, uh, that race will have been run, but we'll uh, we'll talk a little bit about what's happening here um, with MotoGP a little further into the show. Have an absolute crap ton of stuff to get to uh, for you in, in this show. I have been making notes over the last uh, week and a half or so, and as things have been going on, things I found uh, kind of interesting, but uh, lots to talk about. Uh, a lot of news going on with uh, with silly seasons across all. Um, all categories of racing uh, through through uh, the various series in uh, World Superbike, BSB, lots to talk about with now with the AMA. That was one of the reasons why we held off recording a show. Uh, also with some MotoGP as well. So we're going to get to that here. And um, I don't really have this in, uh, in any kind of good order, just sort of some things uh, I've organized in my own uh, interesting fashion here. But uh, before we get into all of that, let's uh, take care of the administrative stuff here. Of course, uh, email, always welcome, rumblestripradio at gmail.com. Had uh, lots of people sending me stuff in the last uh, 24 to 36 hours here, with uh, especially with what's gone down with the AMA. So uh, many thanks to that, and uh, welcome uh, all, of your, uh, all of your email there at rumblestripradio at gmail.com. And also had a couple of people asking me about how to get the show if they don't uh, you know, have iTunes or use iTunes. And um, have have told people that you can always go over to the website, which is www.rumblestripradio.com, and there's a link on the website so that you can subscribe through an RSS reader, uh, whether that's uh, Google Reader, uh, Net Newswire, sorry, Newsfire. I'm not sure what uh, what you guys with the Windows computers use. I, I guess I really should uh, look at that just just so I know. But there's a link on the web page. Just click a button, and it'll subscribe you up. And every time a new show gets posted, you'll get uh, a notice in your reader, and there's usually a button on there, download the show. And there you go. It makes it super easy for you to get the show if you don't use uh, iTunes or some other aggregator. And there's a few of them out there i can i can see on my stats of, of how you guys are getting the show so 
Um, also over on the website is the uh, button, a little gold button that says donate. So if you would like to donate to the show, even if it's uh, five or ten bucks, uh, that goes uh, that goes a long way that uh, you know 10 bucks a, a month uh, that pays for most of our hosting issues uh, or most hosting issues hosting uh, hosting costs there's uh, some other things as well that go in there but uh, you know if you guys just do that hey much appreciated you know it's not like i got advertisers paying the paying the freight on this one you guys uh, definitely help uh, get the job done with that so those of you who have donated uh, over these last few months i think i've gotten thanked everyone uh either via email or on the show and if i haven't i do apologize um doesn't mean that uh don't appreciate it because because i i very much do um also speaking of the itunes if you want to head on over there and write a review of the show that definitely helps with our visibility and i see there's been a couple uh, at least one more new uh review since the last time i looked and uh, so i'd like to thank uh someone named motley screwed for a uh for a nice review uh over on the itunes store and and um as we said, that's one of the things we figured out is the more reviews that get written, the higher the profile of the show. So if you uh, subscribe uh, via iTunes, if you just go over and you know write a quick review for us, that'd be greatly, greatly appreciated. Uh, also, if you want to know what's uh, going on uh, around here, sometimes I've been posting some stuff on on Twitter and Pounce. There's a actually a decent number of motorcycle people on uh, on the Twitter, and and a few on the Pounce as well. So we get some interesting discussions going on. So uh, you can follow us on Twitter. It's uh, twitter.com forward slash rumblestrip, and Pounce is uh, pounce.com forward slash rumblestrip, and. Uh, you know, Twitter's kind of good for, for just a quick notes here and there. Pounce is kind of is uh, I like a little bit better just because it's a little richer experience. You can share media and pictures and stuff just better. Uh, I like it better, but Twitter seems to be what everyone's all about. So, uh, also let you know uh, this week recorded a, a new show with uh, John Hall over at the Live Fast Racing Show. So that is out number number nineteen. That's been posted. I know some of you guys listened to uh, to that as well. Uh, let's see. This uh, Live Fast show, we uh, we uh, had an interview uh, with a with a guy from another podcast. Talked a lot about uh, ALMS, and uh, well, we talked about motorcycles and you know net car and all that good stuff. But uh, that's always a fun show to do. So head on uh, over there, livefastracing.com. And uh, Johnny's uh, kind of rededicated himself to the blog over there and putting up some some cool stuff as well. Uh, also, uh, props to Johnny because uh, he is the guy who supplied the the name for for the uh, the last show, the uh, AMA Superbike RIP, which at that point in time looked like it. Thankfully, somehow it looks like it's going to be saved, but uh, we'll see how it all ends up panning out. And we're going to definitely be diving into that here uh, further down into the show once we get to that. Uh, it is definitely on the list. Also. Um, Want to uh, send a uh, uh, word out to uh, Mike, who's coming back from the the sandbox, the uh, sandbox out there in uh, Kirkuk. I think he's uh, right now, as they say, he's so short he can't see over the uh, top tops of his boots. Uh, I think he's down to like single digit days over there before he heads back. So, uh, Mike, the show isn't going to be long enough to get you from Kirkuk uh, all the way back to the U.S., but it uh, hopefully will uh, will kill a little time for you there when you're up in the air. So. Uh, safe journey back and uh, stay low till you get home. I uh, also want to uh, give congratulations to Steve Schmidt. He's uh, one of the uh, longtime listeners of the show. Um, he is the brewmaster over at the Cambridge House, and uh, he won a gold medal at the Great American Beer Festival for his barley wine called Treble Hook. So uh, I guess you can search out uh, Cambridge House and you find out all about what Steve's doing over there. So uh, it's pretty cool. Good to, good to have a guy who... Uh, uh, can make his own beer and uh, trying to find a way to get, get him to, uh, to ship some stuff over to, uh, to share. But, uh, we'll see if that actually, uh, can happen here. All right. So, uh, that takes care of all the, uh, all the stuff at the top of the show. Let's, uh, let's dive right in here and talk about some of the crazy things that have been going on. Uh, gonna start, uh, at the top of the show about some stuff that had been floating around about Eric Bostrom for a few days and, and basically everything got confirmed up yesterday. Uh, there was some, it, Eric was at, uh, a dealer show or some kind of dealer event and talked about how he was going to be taking off, uh, 
uh, down to Brazil and raising, you know, working, uh, running a farm down there that I guess he actually does legitimately own raising tilapia and some other things. And everyone's like, uh, okay, Eric was, uh, you know, maybe had, had a few too many soda pops, but, uh, turns out that's not the case. Guy's legitimately going to be spending a lot of time down at a, at a farm he owns in Brazil, um, doing some uh, organic farming down there and taking a break from racing. And I know a lot of people of, uh, you know, it's like, well, he's, you know, he's kind of, he's always a little flaky. He's freaked out. What's going on? This will all change in a couple months. And here, here's what I'll say about this. Uh, I have a ton of respect for a guy who can walk away from, from stuff, uh, like this with his, with his sanity, with his health. And, you know, maybe he's only going to be gone. Maybe he's only taking a, a year off. Good for him. Um, when you look at the Eric's 32, I think Eric's 32 or 33 years old now. Um, you know, the kid's been racing motorcycles for 21 years. And yes, we all would love to be paid to go racing. And those of you who are paid to race that uh, listen to the show, yes, we do all envy you at times. But what I understand and what a few of us do understand is that at some point in time, it becomes a job. It's not fun anymore. Or the moments of, of joy, um, uh, aren't balanced, you know, don't balance out the, the, the grind of the job, whether that's through training, whether that's through, um, just the traveling, uh, just working on a week, working through a weekend, being, you know, there's a lot of stuff that where, where this thing can become a grind. And if Eric's reached the point where, uh, it's not fun anymore. And given the truly lack of success and, and lack of competitiveness that he's had on the bike for the last few years, I can see where he'd be frustrated and just say, you know what? I need to go away. I just, I just need a year off. Um, or maybe he needs to, you know, maybe he's done, done, but I, I get the idea that, you know, he'll take a year off, find some things to, um, to occupy his time and his mind and just get away from it all. And maybe by being away for a while, he'll find that, uh, that hunger, that drive and that joy again. And, and that's, that's good, you know? And if he, Never races another motorcycle race again competitively. He's had a pretty solid career. Um, you know, maybe not what everyone thought he could be or was going to be, especially when we look back into the early nineties and right around, uh, right around the turn of this, uh, the century and, the, and, and coming into this decade where it looked like he was really going to uh, make a move onto the world stage. It just didn't work out for a lot of things, but. He had a pretty good career, not an outstanding career, but a good career, made good money. He's probably okay. And, uh, you know, he's got a lot of outside interest and, and good for him. You know, don't let one thing consume your life and not have anything else. So, um, where a lot of people might think that, you know, I'd be like all over him on this. I'm all for it on this, really. Um, I like the idea of, of being able to walk away and, just go do your own thing. He wouldn't be the first person to do it. Won't be the last person to do it. Just maybe a little more high profile than of, of a person that's doing this than, than we thought. So, uh, let's see. Jordan, uh, has, and my, the Michael Jordan team has announced a, uh, a second team for next year, which will be interesting to see how this one pans out. Um, it's going to be with an unknown manufacturer. I mean, Jordan has had his team with Suzuki. That contract was up, so I'm not sure if that's going to get re-signed, uh, especially given Suzuki's unknown involvement uh, with with racing going forward. Uh, so it could be with Suzuki. It could be with another manufacturer. It will be with a different, uh, different whole different truck uh, under a different awning, although still run by the Gemini crew, um, and also sponsored by the National Guard. So this is a pretty interesting development. And, um, you know, it's cool. You know, they got their first, uh, first championship in, in Superstock with Aaron Yates this year, which was very cool to see that, uh, you know, after these years that, uh, that they're, they're getting some payback off of this for all their effort. And they're also looking good given the new rules in that they're the super bike class is going to be much more Superstock ish. Um, you know, maybe not as much as people are hoping, but, you know, essentially they're running what was proposed for the 2009 Superbike rules. And um, so they're going to be in some decent shape to be a little more competitive than they were this year. And, and you know, and this year they were on the podium three times, I think. I think Aaron was on the podium three times and certainly in the top five consistently. So um, so that'll be cool to see what, uh, what ends up panning out with that. And, you know, uh, 
National Guard taking a pretty big, uh, uh, pretty big stance in motorsports, uh, uh, as far as sponsorship because they're doing obviously with, uh, with Junior and NASCAR, they're doing some stuff in drag racing and, and now working with Jordan in, uh, in superbikes. So unknown the level of, of, of support that they're giving, but any support is, is good support at this point and you gotta assume they're giving, getting something around high six, High six figures for that, but maybe even more. Who knows? Uh, of course, some of the some of the stuff we're going to talk about, uh, you know, is news that's come out over the last couple of weeks and that everyone knows. But I think we just need to uh, to touch on it anyways. Um, Xerox Ducati, that's all firmed up for next year. It is Haga and uh, Fabrizio. A little surprising that Fabrizio kept his job, but we'll uh, we'll see how that goes. Uh, I think he's got one more year to to really. Um, Make uh, make a difference here, and then uh, if he doesn't pan out, then they'll move on to the next guy here. But uh, um, Haga had some success on a Ducati in the past, and and I think it'll be interesting to see how he how he comes up here with uh, with the Xerox Ducati crew and pretty high profile. But um, you know, I've got no faith in in Fabrizio. Just you know, everyone knows pretty much what I think of him. You know, he's some days he's the wizard, some days he's the hurricane. Most of the time, it's just a gentle ocean breeze. Um, talking about sponsorship there with, with Jordan, the uh, economic uh, issues going on, not just in the U.S., but worldwide, really starting to see uh, see its impact. Uh, Rizla has pulled out its sponsorship of the Crescent uh, BSB team. Um, of course, that, uh, that's the team that ran uh, Tom Sykes in, uh, in BSB along with... Wow, who, the guy who won the uh, the Japanese uh, Superbike Championship in 07, they shipped him over, and he did nothing this year. Over there, he was running around with like guys on super stock bikes. Um, and, of course, we know that uh, Silvan Gintoli will be racing for that team this year. I'm assuming they'll still run two bikes, but who will be on the second uh, bike I don't think has been announced yet, and they'll probably be looking for still looking for the for the sponsor. Um, but no Rizla sponsorship in, in BSB. Not sure what level they were sponsoring, but once again, anyone who's writing a check is helping you offset your costs. Um, we'll see with that. I'm actually, I'm actually been pounding the emails and, and hitting up contacts, trying to get some, uh, some people over in the BSB, uh, on the show. Um, made some contacts, just nothing has <clears throat> panned out as of yet, but really would like to, to get some people on the horn, um, whether that's a team owner, whether that's some of the riders, whether that's some of the uh, you know higher ups uh, over there, to uh, to see what we can do about getting in some people from the BSB to talk about what happened this year, what a great series that was, uh, and what it's looking like for for next year. So, um, also Rizla may be backing down. I don't think they're going to be pulling out of their sponsorship of the Suzuki MotoGP team uh, for next year, but it may not be at the level that it was this year. So whether that means the bikes, you know. Part of it, you're going to have uh, upper fairing is, is Rizla and a lower fairing is something else. Whether they're just going to be on the lower fairing because of the you know level of sponsorship, what it, what it may be, I don't know at this point. Um, but there's definitely been a lot of talk that Rizla is pulling back their uh, their support in MotoGP as well. Uh, so we'll see how that uh, ends up going. Uh, the PSG1 team has got their own issues. Uh, that, of course, is the quote-unquote factory Kawasaki team in World Superbike. Certainly not performed at any kind of level that uh, had been hoped for, and apparently a lot of problems going on over there uh, with money, as uh, not widely reported. Uh, you know, and this has been now what three weeks uh, since Magnacore ran, but uh, they had their Olin's suspension gear repoed because they hadn't paid their bill, and that's not good at all. A lot of Italian teams having uh, having their issues. Alto Evolution. Um, which of course ran uh, Jason Pridmore for a while, for a few races, ran Matt Lynn for a couple races, uh, having problems cutting checks to their riders. Um, they, I think we talked about this on the last show, or maybe it was a couple shows ago, where they said, "Well, Jason's got an arm injury and he's going to have to have surgery, so he's not going to be riding. That's why we're bringing Matt Lynn in." And of course, Jason releasing a statement saying, "Not having surgery. In fact, I'm racing some endurance stuff. The issue is, is they're not paying me. They haven't cut me a check." So. Um, the, then again, Alto Evolutions had some interesting uh, ways of financing their, 
their operations in the past as well, including, you know, quote unquote, having their stuff hijacked at a rest stop uh, and then getting an insurance payout. Uh, yeah, right. Uh, haven't seen that, that one work before. Uh, also, speaking of Italians and money, more tax issues for the doctor. Their Italian government is going after him for about an additional 15 million euros in back taxes for 05 and 06. And this is different than the settlement that he had worked out uh, with the government in the past. So uh, I had a conversation with my friend Tom Pinky out in, you know, he's out in California, the guy who uh, ran Pinky's Pizza for so many years. And of course, that uh, he uh, retired and closed that down here in the last uh uh, last day, last day of, of August, I believe was, was the final day for the, for the store and been working over the last uh, month or so to finish closing out the business. But, um, just kind of talked a little bit about this. And, and if this, I think Valentino's tax bill at the end of the day is in excess of 60 or 70 million euros that he's had to pay. Uh, and I don't know if he, you know, cut a check and is done or if he's paying that over a couple of years or whatever, but, uh, I don't care that the guy's making 24, 25 million euros a year over the last few years. That's still a big chunk of your money going away. Um, I'm not sure how much cash this dude has left, to be honest with you. Um, so that's why there's this consistent rumor that when his contract is done with Yamaha, I think after um, 2010, that, uh, you know, he's still on good terms with Ferrari and then he may go race F1 at, you know, 20 some odd, 30 some odd million a year. Um, just so he can have a bank account when he's done. Uh, how legitimate that is, I don't know, but I find it very interesting. And of course, it's one of those things that no one really wants to talk about. But as someone who, uh, you know, graduated, as I've said before, with a, with a marketing and finance degree and the money side of this has always intrigued me just, just because, um, that's one of those things I'd love to know. Maybe the kid made a lot of good investments over the years. I mean, he's made a lot of money for a lot of years now. But, um, that's just a, that's a head scratcher. It's like, how much, how much cash does this kid, or maybe he's, you know, wiped out or, well, not wiped out. Let's say he's got money left, but going forward over the next three years is that's really when he pads his account. But just, man, that's rough. And, uh, I hope he gets a, st- obviously it didn't affect him this year like it did last year. Uh, you know, pretty much ran away with, uh, with the championship and back up to his old games and he'll have one of his old, uh, old mates, back next year to have some fun with the with the mental side of things which we're going to talk about here in a couple minutes uh bsb wise uh riders getting um lined up with uh, with their stuff for next year uh james ellison is signed up uh, he's leaving the uh hydrix bike animal honda team which um you know sort of a semi-factory semi-privateer deal i mean they seemed to they were pretty competitive through most of the year james was on the podium a couple times consistent uh, some consistent top five finishes so um he's getting a bump um as 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 a as a level of ride he's going to be moving over to the gsc team that's the who was the airwaves ducati guys now they're going to be running the new r1 yamahas next year and i think don't know if it's been announced, but I'm assuming Leon Camier will be back uh, with that team as well. Uh, his contract was up at the end of, I think he was just on the one-year deal, or maybe it was a one with an option. Um, and I don't think anything was officially signed yet, but I'm going to guess that he'll be on the the uh, second bike there uh, as well. So uh, that's got to be rough going from, uh, yeah, he raced on the four, goes and learns how to ride a twin, and now he's got to go back to, to a four, so... Uh, the other, let's see, where's my other note here for BSB? Sorry, it's not, uh, like I said, not necessarily in order, and I'm trying to order this a little bit as we're talking here. Uh, the uh, HM Plant team has been announced for, the, the Superbike team has been announced for next year. As you know, they've lost both um, uh, Leon Haslam. Wait a minute, did I say Camier? I said Leon Camier for the for the GSE team, right? Because Haslam's headed to to Stiggy, um, which we'll talk about that team being all set now too. But so Camier, uh, if I didn't say that, and I apologize for, will be with Ellison on on the uh, GSE team, as far as I know. But the uh, HM Plant um, Honda team, which was uh, Haslam and Cal Crutchlow, who are moving on Crutchlow to Yamaha World Supersport. And Haslam to Stiggy World Superbike uh, is now going to be set with Josh Brooks leaving 
uh, World Supersport to come to BSB, and then Glenn Richards getting a bump from uh, the Supersport uh, up to Superbike. So BSB is set, and that should be a pretty, pretty competitive team again. Brooksy, uh, pretty, pretty solid rider over the years in, in World Superbike and World Supersport. So it'll be nice to see him uh, once again on a Superbike, on a very competitive Superbike, and uh, should have some success over there too. BSB going to be very, once again very interesting. I mean, you look at um, Ellison certainly should be. Uh, uh, competitive on the, on the R1. Camier now, I mean, he, re- I think he's ready for his breakout year. Uh, Brooksy, um, uh, Gintley, who I think has had a decent year, you know, couple, you know, rough, but a couple good years, um, trying to get the handle on stuff. So it'll be interesting to see how he does, uh, on the Suzuki, which we know should be a very competitive bike. Uh, um, and, yeah, let's see. So we got Yamaha, Suzuki, Honda, Kawasaki over there. Mm, you know, they may not uh, have the best. And I don't know if anyone's going to be running Ducati over there. Uh, so we'll see. Uh, other than maybe the uh, the Northwest 200 team. Um, so we'll see. We'll see how that all goes out. But I think BSB, even though they've lost a lot of uh, talent, uh, I think there's enough of a feeder, enough, enough people in there and, and coming over and, and adding in that, that that once again should be a pretty good um pretty good season uh, over there for for 09 so as i said i'm i'm working trying to get uh, some people to talk about bsb here on the show and uh, hopefully soon uh, we'll see we'll see uh let's see world super sport of course we know um Ant West is going to make the move to Stiggy for World Supersport. His teammate's going to be uh, Gianluca Viziello. And um, so those will be the two Supersport bikes. And I think there's only going to be one super bike for Stiggy, and that's going to be Leon Haslam. Uh, and they signed a deal with uh, some Italian electronics company or, or, or engineering company to work with their with their data systems and their um, their electronics package so that they'll be set to go. So they should be... You know, Haslam and World Superbike, I think, is, you know, has potential. Stiggy, they have a, a, a solid team. You know, will they be winning races? No. Podiums? Mm, but certainly top six, seven. Certainly one of the, you know, better privateer teams or, you know, B-level teams or 1A teams, I guess you would call them. So that, um, that's going to be, that's going to be good. And, and then I think Ant West is going to have, uh, a pretty spectacular season over there next year. And I think we'll see, you know, when he, when he did those three races, uh, last year, what, two, two wins and a third place. I think we're going to see that once again. And, and, you know, kids going to have some confidence and then, you know, should do okay. And, uh, you know, I think it's great to race at the top level and you want to race with the elite guys. But at the end of the day, I think you'd almost rather, you know, be on competitive equipment and, and certainly the, the, Kawasaki's weren't this year, anything close to being competitive this year. Uh, speaking of Kawasaki, no third Kawasaki, even though that it's on, it's off, it's on, it's off, it's on, it's off, it's on. You know, uh, they no one no one has an idea. It's just you know the the whole thing with uh, with Aspar is done. That you know maybe Kawasaki was still going to try and do a third bike because they really 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 wanted Nakano and they're just not going to cut the check themselves to do it, but they might, but they're not. And now the talk is that Nakano is going to end up riding a second Aprilia World Superbike uh, with with you know with Max, and that was going to be run by um, uh, the uh, Luca Monotron. So that could be interesting because I don't think it's been announced who's actually running that team this year, whether Aprilia was going to do it themselves or whether they were going to going to contract that out. And I'm trying to remember who the hell ran um, when when World Superbike their fir- their very first year that they ran World Superbike, um, ninety eight or ninety nine. I can't remember. And I think Peter Goddard was their writer that year. I'd have to go back and look. I'm just literally pulling this off the top of my head. Uh, that wasn't run directly out of the factory. That was contracted out. And then they ended up bringing it in, in-house or semi-in-house at that point. But um, maybe that's kind of what they're doing here. And I don't remember who ran it. So if anyone remembers that, uh, if you guys have been around for a while, uh, rumblestripradio at gmail.com. I'll look it up and I'll see if I can make a note to myself. We'll talk about that uh, next time. Just one of those pieces of... Uh, 
of uh, trivia. That I guess would be the best best thing. So, uh, let's see everything. Let's see. I'm. I'm let's see. We're going to talk about MotoGP. Pretty much set two pieces of in, uh, data over, or two pieces of news over there. Um, they finally officially announced that um, the modern day Crevier is officially in. They did the display and the reveal with the bike and the color scheme uh, for for him. Uh, the team will be run by the Nieto boys of uh, of Gelete um, uh, and um, oh, Pablo. Thank you. Those are their cousins, not brothers. I believe is is how that works out, but. Uh, Pablo retired from running 125s. He couldn't. That was his last year running 125s, anyways, because he hit the age limit or he exceeded the age limit, or was it two, you know, 250s, whatever. Um, so those guys are, are you know done racing. They're going to run the team. Uh, they got uh, Ande 2000, which is a Spanish uh, construction company, to sponsor it. I hope they got their money up front because the Spanish economy not in good shape. So. Uh, just as an example, this is also floated around a little bit, especially those of us here in the U S they, we look at, um, the, the team that ran, uh, Bradley Smith, uh, this year was the Polaris world, Polaris world. I'm like Polaris, they make, you know, snowmobiles and four wheelers and stuff like that. But Polaris world was actually a construction company that built vacation homes, mostly in Spain and a few other, uh, countries as well. But with, um, with the collapse of the vacation home economy, in Europe, they uh, they're in in a world of hurt. So uh, they they've uh, pulled out, and uh, so on day two thousand, sort of the same thing. They built uh, vacation homes and just other general construction, mostly in Spain. And, and Spain's economy is is starting to hurt, sort of like U.S. economy is now. Um, so I'm just hoping they got all their money up front, and uh, they'll be able to make it through the through the year without um, without any issues. Now the the good thing, and and then also. Um, uh, Calio, Mika Calio and um, uh, Nicolo Canapa were confirmed as your uh, Premac Ducati guys. So there will be five Ducatis on the grid next year, and all of them will be exactly the same bikes. Everyone's getting the same bike and the same level of support next year, which is cool. Uh, so no excuses there. And it, isn't it interesting that the smallest manufacturer in MotoGP, that being Ducati, can field or can get five bikes out there, and yet Suzuki and Kawasaki can only get two. Honda has uh, six. Yamaha has four. Very interesting. Very, very interesting, don't you think? Yes, yes. So, anyways, I just found that uh, to be cool from Ducati's standpoint, and, you know, the modern-day Crevier... Uh, I predicted on the ride on two board that he will have as many podium finishes as Mika Calio. Actually, I figured Calio would have more uh, podium finishes than uh, than Jeebers. But uh, someone said, well, they'll have exactly the same, which is zero, which, OK, that's not probably not too much of a push. But anyways, the uh, the other big news out of MotoGP is the fact that KTM has pulled out of the 250s. Uh, they have looked at uh, the rules going forward. At 2011, the switch to four strokes said, no reason for us to spend millions of dollars in developing this bike if at the end of 2010, it doesn't matter. So no word of whether they're going to start working on a four stroke deal uh, over these next couple of years, but they've certainly pulled out of 250s. Right now, there are only 14 confirmed riders and bikes for next year. Now, according to the rules, I think they're FIM rules, not Dorna rules. I think they're FIM rules that there has to be at least 15 bikes on the grid for it to be considered a world championship uh, for them to even run the, run the series even. So uh, I think everyone thinks that they'll end up being like 20 bikes, 22 bikes on the grid next year. Uh, but a lot of issues with sponsorship money. Uh, for, for a lot of these guys and the fact that it's going to be, uh, you know, all Aprilia's save one or two Hondas out there, uh, you know, and, and some of those Aprilia's will be, uh, rebadged as, as a Jalera, 
maybe as a derby as well. Uh, but essentially, it's all the same bike, just some some badge engineering going on there. Kind of sad, but you know, this is the. I hate to say it's the law of unintended consequences, but you know, you you make a change, you kill a series by changing it to four strokes, which is unnecessary, and I will not go off on that rant again. Uh, but this is this is what happens. So I think KTM is going to end up running, I think, only two bikes and 125 next year with uh, Mark Marquez and then with the American Camion uh, Bobier, which is cool. American, another American 125. So we sh- I think we'll see Stevie Bonzi and uh, Cameron Bobier. Uh, went, or is Stevie moving up to 250s? Crap, I can't remember now. I think he's still running 125s next year. Whatever. Um, but you know, we're getting some Americans who are working their way up through the uh, through the Dorna hierarchy over there, which is good because then that makes them more likely to get seats in MotoGP. Because Dorna doesn't like the fact that if you don't, they they don't like people not coming up to their series to get rides in their premier series. They don't like outsiders coming in. You come up through their ecosystem, or you don't come up at all. Not quite exactly working out that way, but that's the way they want it, which is understandable. So what else do we have going on here? So, um, scanning through my notes here. Um, Brands Hatch. No World Superbike race for Brands Hatch next year. And that had everything to do with the sanctioning fee that was being asked by the Fellini brothers. Um, uh, Dr. Jonathan Palmer, whose uh, MSV group runs that track, and uh, also the BSB series was willing to up the up, up the sanctioning fee, I guess, just not by that much. Uh, the word uh, that they put out was that they could have done it. However, that would have meant a uh, price increase of 15 pounds uh, per for every ticket. And that's that's a pretty substantial jump in, in a ticket price. So they've decided uh, that they won't be running the race at Brands next year for World Superbike. However, they are keeping that date and will be doing something motorcycle related at brands they haven't said what it is at this point um but uh could be you know one of the bigger attended races for world superbike and something of a tradition over there but had nothing to do with uh craig jones's crash it was everything to do with uh with the sanctioning fee and and they released a kind of a joint statement um uh, that that said as much so and I think that kind of covered, well, AMA-wise, um, Honda, American Honda, if they're going to be racing in the AMA, is looking for two new crew chiefs. Uh, Al Luddington has um, left. Um, he was never, I don't know, he wasn't an official, he wasn't an employee, he was a contractor too, and I think Dave McGrath uh, also. So Al was Miguel's crew chief, Dave McGrath was uh, Neil Hodgson's crew chief. Both of those guys are are not going to be with the American Honda racing team for uh, for '09. Al is going to work for the DMG, and uh, if I had my little sound effects thing working, uh, you know, it'd have the little thing of of Darth Vader going, "You do not, you don't know the power of the dark side," uh, type of thing. Uh, and Dave McGrath uh, leaving for personal reasons. Personal reasons being he wants to move his family out of Southern California. So not sure what uh, Dave's going to be doing for next year, whether he'll end up hooking up with another team, whether he's got a, a job at a, running a, a shop somewhere else. We'll see what uh, what pans out. So um, good luck to both of those guys. And um, let's see. I think that covers most of the new stuff here. So um, we have lots of other stuff to talk about uh, with uh, World Superbike Finale. We'll get to that. MotoGP is running this weekend. The 09 season, of course, for MotoGP starts Monday. And the AMA rules. So one last thing uh, before we're going to dive into the AMA here and uh, and all the new, new rules package that's been released there. Uh, sort of caught up in, in a lot of the other gossip stuff going on is the fact that the uh, Freddie Spencer Riding School has been uh, closed, shut down. Uh, and all that going on over there, that came out what Thursday, I guess. That was that sort of started being that coming out a little bit about uh, that being shut down. Turns out that uh, the instructor, many of the instructors, hadn't been paid in as much as two months. That uh, Honda Semi came by and and picked up all the uh, bikes. Uh, there's some issues with the money management from whoever was running the business side of that deal. And also some talks of uh, some personal issues for Freddie. Uh, and, of course, uh, wild speculation floating around on many different 
uh, internet boards of what that what that is a combination of uh, uh, the usual suspects of, of booze, drugs, and women. One, if not all the above, who knows? No one's really said much at all. Uh, a couple of the boards, uh, some of the people who have been the instructors there have, have had positive comments to say about their experience working with Freddie and, and working at the school. But um, really a bummer uh, that, that they got shut down. One of the better writing schools, and while we know what we think of Freddie as a broadcaster and unknown how this is going to affect uh, what happens with the with the speed booth for next year as far as who's going to be color commentating uh, and whether this these issues will affect Speed's decision to bring him back next year, uh, but it's very interesting and a uh, little little sad what's what's going on over there. Um, people I know who've who've actually attended the school have always had a lot of good things to say that they learned a lot, walked away with a lot. There was a lot of, you know, maybe Freddie wasn't in there, you know, talking to everyone, but the quality and the level of instructors they had there were very good when working with the writers they had. So you. Even though it was a couple grand to go to the school, they took care of you. It was a good, you know, all in all a good experience. So Freddie, uh, Freddie's school is now gone. And of course the rampant, uh, you know, speculation of what the, what the issues going on in Freddie's life are. So we'll see what happens there. All right. That is it for, uh, for new, well, that part of the news. News now we need to talk about is this new AMA rules package. We have some, some finality. So after eight months of back and forth and some cockamamie ideas for rules, in many ways, we sort of are back where we started. Um, not completely, but certainly uh, the important parts are. All right. First and foremost, the premier class uh, for the AMA series going forward will be, wait for it, 1,000cc superbikes. Woohoo! Not some bullshit horsepower limited thing. No, real 1,000cc4s, 1,200cc twins. Yes, real superbike level type of things. Okay, now, superbike is going to take a step back in the sense of more super stock-ish, but that was the general direction that the rules were intended to be anyways. Going back to 2007, I think, when at the end of 2007, when when they came out with a package of what the 2009 AMA rules for Superbike were going to be. And guess what? The Superbike rules for 2009 are basically what they were going to be in this old thing. So that's why I said. We spent a long time to come back to where we started with Superbike. So 1,000cc four-cylinders at, I think, 375 pounds, 1,200cc twins at 390 pounds. We're going to have stock-sized wheels, um, so 17 Three in the front, like seventeen six, six and a quarter in the back. Basically, whatever is homologated for the bike, I think, is what you have to run. Um, I would have liked the, them. I would have liked to have seen them run the stock wheels, but you know, we'll have your aftermarket wheels to make those guys happy. Um, that being said, at least you don't have to spend money on sixteen five wheels to get to run the rubber because we're all going to be running on the seventeen inch rubber. So that's a good thing. Um, and definitely we'll see that help uh, street bike tires down the road as well, given the fact that it's not just 16.5 stuff. It's actually going to be actual 17-inch rubber that, that they'll be running. Um, Engine-wise, stock pistons, uh, stock rods, stock crank, you know, uh, no lightning, no polishing. Well, poly- you can clean and polish the crank and um, clean up your oil galleries and, and do that stuff, but no no weird stuff to that. Um, stock lift camshafts, but you can do whatever you want with the duration. I think that's what you could do before camshaft wise, whatever. Um, full electronic package you can do with whatever you want. So that hasn't changed. Um, swing arm, no adjustable swing arm pivots unless it came from the factory that way. Um, you know, you can't really do, you can strengthen the frame with some gussets here and there, but no, you can't do any kind of wild stuff. Uh, I thought that was interesting. No polishing of the frame, I thought was an interesting thing in there. Just can't make it look good. Uh, but I guess they're worried about, you know, polishing too much and taking away the strength of the walls or something. I don't know. So all in all, the, the rules are, like I said, what they sort of started out with coming, what was going to be the rules. And then, you know, the geniuses down in, in, on the beach there decided no. Um, but the manufacturers pushed back enough. That's what we're going to get. And for the most part, I like 
the super bike rules package the way it the way it came out. Um, you know, is it the same as like BSB and, and where I think it's going to evolve? No, uh, but that's okay because I think if you read the tea leaves the right way and some of the press releases that have come out uh, going forward, uh, we're all, there are all these domestic series are going to work with the FIM and come up with a set of rules to work across all domestic series, which will be good um, because then we know one set of rules goes across. The manufacturers can produce stuff across a, a variety of line, can release a, you know, kits that teams can then go buy and it doesn't matter what series you run. Um, it'll be the same and that definitely helps with manufacturing costs for the manufacturers, which will help the teams when it comes to what it's going to cost to buy that. So, you know, the quote unquote kit for the BSB series doesn't have to be different than the American series and it'll be the Japanese series, the German series, the Italian series, you know, there you go. It's one series saves on, on manufacturing costs, which then will get passed down to who's ever buying the kits. So I like that. It's directionally, I like it. It's just too bad it took eight months to get back to the point we started at with that. So Superbikes, Premier Series, with the exception of Daytona, big shock. Um, okay, I'm good with, I'm good with that. The, but I, why do you have to call it American Superbike? Why can't you just call it Superbike? Whatever. Um, so now we have Daytona Super Sport. This is a series that's a, this, a little bit of a head scratcher. Given the equipment that you can run, it's, you know, 600cc four cylinders, certain, uh, thousand plus cc twins. Um, so the, like the Tuano, the KTM Super Duke, the Buell 1125R, um, you know, there's some other ones that are still up for, for debate in there, whether it will be running, you know, 675 Triumphs. No, no horsepower limits here either. A little, you know, uh, very uh, super sport-ish rules, um, you know, world super sport-ish type of rules. 848 Ducati is going to be about. So something between world super sport formula extreme essentially is what we, what we've got here. This was going to be, you know, the what was going to be the Daytona super bikes is now Daytona super sport. Thankfully, no horsepower limits here. Like, thankfully, no horsepower limits in super bike. Sanity returns, thankfully, uh, at least a little bit. I like it for the fact of the variety of machines that are going to be running in here. How it all is going to sort out, I'm not exactly sure. Um, hopefully, it'll work out well, and I'm, I'm hoping we see, you know, Aprilia run their twins, KTM run their twins, Ducati with the 848s, uh, Triumph 675s, um, obviously the Honda, you know, the, or the the Japanese four cylinders. Could be very cool, um, you know, given the given the variety of equipment. Execution wise, I'm a little nervous on it, but we'll see. I'll, I'll take a wait and see approach on that. And then we have the super sport or class, which is the 16 to 21 year olds, which is essentially the same general equipment as your Daytona super sport, uh, tuned down a little bit, uh, and limited to 16 to 21 year olds and only allowed to run for three years in the class. Right idea. I really like the idea. You're, you're getting the younger kids in, let them run with each other, not get in over their heads. The choice of equipment. Yeah. I could have found a better way of doing that, I think, but directionally. Okay. They got the right idea. You know, they got 75% of it right. Okay. And, and given that group that's running this organization, that's, that's a pretty huge step. All right. So there, the, the other 25%, again, we'll see how that works out. Um, so we'll yeah I, I I like it and I think this is where you're going to see a lot of your um so let's say that you've got your your second tier teams so your uh, your safety first your your Matsushima's your oh possibly Gra- Graves being involved in here so you could run your you know, maybe they're not going to run a run super bike, but I could see them running the, the super sport class with one group and then, uh, and then the, this other tier down for the younger kids. So I could see them being involved in both levels there. And I think that could, that could work out pretty well for those guys. Um, then two other classes, which will run sometimes with, sometimes not. So you have your Moto GT now, not Moto ST coming down from three to two classes. We're not even going to get into those rules. Um, and then, um, 
Red Bull rookies, you know, the, the Red Bull rookie stuff, uh, they could run the Red Bull rookies at all of the races. I'd be very happy. Um, while I'm not always thrilled with uh, the contracts that these kids have to sign to and how much that uh, uh, Red Bull controls their lives from a, from a financial standpoint, especially even after they're done, um, directionally, I like what they're doing. I like the package they put together. I really like the show they put together. And the training that they do for the kids as far as keeping their areas, you know, their work areas clean, being responsible, being on time to meetings and stuff like this. Um, I like that. It's, you know, freaking parents don't do that to their kids. It's nice to see that these do. Well, not a lot. I can't say that. Some of the kids are actually pretty responsible and pretty level-headed. I've actually, I was actually really surprised. But anyways, um, so they could run that at all the series, and I'd be very happy to, to see that. So uh, overall, like I said, eight months to get kind of get back to where we started and a lot of drama, a lot of garbage going on. We'll see how this all works out. Um, so that's your rules package for the bikes. You know, roughly speaking, everything's out there. You can go read them all, dive into it, and get into the, all the technical details. Um, some of the other stuff going on: spec tires, Dunlop, no big shock there. Some some issues, questions, concerns there. Okay, so. What I'm hoping, what a few other people are hoping is this when it comes to the Dunlop spec tires, that it's going to be, it, it's, it's sort of a combination of world super board, world super bike, MotoGP stuff in that, um, limited number of compounds, very limited number of tires. The questions come, are they going to have it so that there's a truck and you have, let's say, let's say you're going to have two compounds available to you. Like we'll call, just call them compound A and compound B. Um, uh, so, they're all essentially they're all the same and they're all have a barcode and what we're hoping or what I'm hoping and a few other people are hoping is that say it so it doesn't matter if you're Joe Privateer or whether you're Factory Kawasaki or whatever any of the big manufacturers you go to the truck you say okay I need two two a two front a's and three rear b's uh, and so they go in, they pull off the top of the pile, and they scan it, and boom, you're done. That's what we're hoping happens. What we're hoping doesn't happen is that that's sort of that it goes to that thing, except that in that stack of pile, in the in that stack or pile of tires, um, there's also tires marked, you know, Maladin, Miguel, um, Tommy, Jamie, whatever, however they go. So just so everyone has access to the same thing. There's no quote unquote special tires. We'll see how that works out. So that's a big question and a big concern. The other one is, is everybody paying for their tires? And if so, are they paying the same? And what is that, what is that payment level? So if everyone's got to pay for tires, okay. What, what is that? Are they paying, um, Say a hundred and hundred dollars for front and two hundred for a rear, or are they paying MSRP? Are they paying something more than MSRP? Is everyone getting a deal? Is everyone getting the same deal, or is everyone getting no deal? That's um, that's a, that's certainly a question. The other thing is, I'm sure uh, Dunlop had to write a check to not you know they wrote a proposal, and part of that proposal is we'll pay you X amount of money. Uh, you know, AMA Pro Racing, formerly known as DMG, uh, to be the sole tire supplier. What happened to that money? Does that go strictly in the pocket of AMA Pro Racing? I mean, certainly some of it has to go too because it's got to pay for operations, right? Um, but does some of that money get funneled back into the series to pay out purses or bonus money or, cha- you know, these things? Don't know. That'd be a nice thing to know. So that's sort of a tertiary thing, but. I'm very interested to find out what the what the deal is going to be for the teams when it comes to paying for tires. Because one of the things in the Canadian series is yes, they sort of limit the number of tires and everyone has to run Pirellis, but pretty much they got to pay MSRP and or you know just under MSRP. Uh, there's no real deals going on for for the teams or for some of the you know privateer guys running the series. So it's gotten a little expensive up there to you know for your tire budget. Um, so I'm just wondering if the same thing is going to happen here in the U.S. 
Uh, as far as the spec fuel, fine. I have no issues with this Sunoco 260 GTX thing as a spec fuel. Uh, I think it was about 7 bucks a gallon this year. That certainly is going to save many teams a lot of money. Um, you know, some of these fuels... Uh, some few, some guys are running, you know, the less expensive fuel, some of the less expensive VPs. Um, but, you know, if you wanted to run the really good VP stuff, that was certainly approaching $20 a gallon. Some of the more exotic stuff uh, was approaching 60 and $80 a gallon. So the fact that everyone's going to have to run the same fuel, it's roughly going to be about 7 bucks a gallon. Cool. Fine. Check mark off. That was always, yeah, I never had an issue with anyone running a spec fuel. That's, it's a control issue. You know, you can't do any funny stuff now with, with fuels. I'm sure everyone will get fuel checked, whatever, but still. Um, and if it's one of those things that saves some money, all the better. So that in a, uh, in a nutshell is sort of the, the AMA side of stuff. Um, now we can move forward. Finally, uh, we have some resemblance of sanity in the, in the paddock as far as a rules package. And I think this will keep, Fortunately and unfortunately, a number of the guys uh, who are looking to go overseas, uh, they'll stay in the U.S. Fortunately, in some ways, that um, you know we'll get to see a lot of the same guys we we want to see. Unfortunately, because then you know they have the fallback position and they're not going to go overseas and look at the opportunities there and you know spread the spread the spread that over there. So, but on the other hand, they'll probably get some decent paychecks over here, better a whole lot better paycheck here than they did they would have over there. So what is it, you know, who's going to end up where? I don't know, but now that we have a set of rules, I think we can start we'll start seeing over the next month or so um riders being signed to uh, to contracts. So, that is uh that is that and um I think November 14th is the final official day that the the uh, books are being sent out for for the AMA rules package. So there'll be a, a couple minor tweaks here and there. There's a couple contradictions in some of the rules that need to be cleared up, but we'll have that here very shortly. Uh, World Superbike Final is coming up next weekend in uh, Portugal. First time at that track, so it'll be uh, very interesting to see how that goes. Final race for Troy Bayliss. And um, I will say, I think I said this on the last show, I'll say it once again. Hugely, hugely, hugely happy that Troy Bayless is going out as a champion. I hope that he, you know, sweeps the doubleheader and goes out not only as champion, but you know, with two race victories, or at least gets to win the the last, you know, the round the the second of the two two races. Um, I'm also very happy that he's getting out while he can on top. I mean, he's 38, 39 years old, uh, and I think. And I don't know if it was the pressure this year or the grind or whatever. Um, I don't know that he has what he had a couple of years ago as far as level of speed. Uh, that being said, he's still one of the fastest guys out there. What I what I wanted what I want it to be, and I said this in the Live Fast Racing show, I want to remember Troy Bayless for going out on top as being the best um, at at or very near the top of his skills. And the top of his powers. What I don't want to see is, you know, he sticks around for another couple years because he's still competitive, still fast, still has that drive and desire, but just doesn't have that extra little bit that he once had um, so that you see him running around in, you know, fourth, fifth position. Um, better to go out on top, leaving people wanting more than to go out after you've peaked going, ah, oh, it's... Too bad he stuck around for that one year too many. So very happy that this is the way that it's going to end for Troy Bayless. So um, track itself looks like it could be pretty good. Um, I think it could be a pretty entertaining race. A lot of guys out there still looking um, to figure out what's going on for next year. Uh, not much of a preview for you for this, unfortunately. Just uh, head hasn't been in World Superbike here these last few that's three or four rounds, really, and and, I'm, and I do apologize for that. We're you know be focusing more on it next year, uh, especially because it's a whole new regime, a lot of guys switching, you know, new new influx, and uh, people switching rides. So we'll see how that uh, all works out next year. But we'll we'll go and and uh, of course, uh, uh, hopefully our boy Josh Hayes will will do well on his final ride there in World Supersport. Given that uh, we have a set of sane rules here in America. Possibly Josh will be riding back in America, hopefully on a super bike. You know, put Miguel on the 
bottom team or whatever, the support team, move Josh up and give him a real ride. Uh, but maybe he'll end up in World Superbike anyways. Who knows? Lots of, lots of questions of that. So the final, uh, MotoGP race of the year is underway. Qualifying is done, uh, as we record this, uh, getting all the press releases coming in. Not going to really talk about it, um, about the results. Mainly wanted to look, talk about this. It's the final race of the year. A lot of changes happening. Um, the race itself is going to be interesting because if you read uh, this week's Road Racer Head with Valentino Rossi, if he can win this race, it'll be his 10th race of the year. A lot of things associated with 10. Uh, it was kind of an interesting thing that uh, Chris Johnham went through on that. So um would encourage you to go go read Road Racer X and, and check that out. Um, really, the <laughs> sad to say, the more interesting thing is going to be come Monday and Tuesday – for the testing after the season, you know, after this race is over, sort of the start of the 09 season with everyone moving around, especially with the limit on tires. Um, I think they're going to allow everyone to kind of do whatever they want with a number of tires. They'll, they'll be you on the spec tires, but I don't think this is going to be the, the limited number of tires yet. Um, as far as testing, although maybe they will have some restriction on it. But so Nikki moving to Ducati, the new guys coming in with the Aliche team to test there. Because uh, they'll be doing the two days of test. Davizioso moving up to uh, uh, the Repsol team. Jorge running on the bridge. So a lot of interesting things going to be happening as far as t- testing Monday, Tuesday. In many ways, more interesting than the actual race itself. That being said, also want to say um, thank you very much. And and um, hopefully not farewell to Julian, Toby, and Randy. As this will be, unfortunately, the final broadcast for them on British Eurosport for MotoGP, Dorna doing, for God knows what reason, um, not allowing Eurosport to renew that contract. Everything's going to move over to the Beeb. Um, and I don't know that the announced team has been announced, but I'm assuming it'll be the same guys at the Beeb this year, next year that did it this year. But certainly the, the best motorcycle broadcasting team in the world, bar none, full stop, is the Eurosport crew, and I'm not sure what's going to happen to those guys next year. I'm hoping to talk to Toby right after, you know, uh, this coming up week, and um, and hopefully we'll get uh, an answer, get him on, and and uh, find out what's going on if he even knows what's going on with him for for next year. So, um, kind of a kind of a sad day in in that sense because it literally is they are miles ahead of anything else announcing in in MotoGP. My personal opinion. And I will say that anyone who I've talked to who who's listened to, let's say, the BBC version, the you know, official Dorna version and the Eurosport version, I don't know of but maybe one or two people who don't think that the Eurosport crew is just miles ahead of everybody else. Um some people are like, well, you know, the Eurosport crew is really good, but you know, the Dorna crew is okay as well. Um so that being said, you know, wish those guys well and hope to see them together as a team announcing maybe at least at World Superbike. I mean, yeah, it'd be a shame they didn't do MotoGP, but if we can have them together as, at at World Superbike, I'd be okay with that. Um, I'd be very happy with that uh, if they could do World Superbike. Anyways, we'll see how that all pans out. And with that... I think we're gonna, we're gonna call it a show. So probably a little, right around an hour here, I think, for, for the show. By the time we get all the intro and outro stuff. Outro music. Uh, no idea. I'll, uh, I'll come up with something for our outro music. But, um, we'll let you know that Rumble Strip Radio is a production of Raul Duke Media LLC and is protected under Creative Commons license. Some rights are reserved. Please tell all your friends about the show and whether they you send them over to the website to down, have them download it, have them subscribe through iTunes, uh, burn them a CD, put it on some shows on a flash drive and hand it to them. Let more people know about the show just because we're getting to the end of the season doesn't mean the show's going to stop. The reason I've been doing this every other week thing is because I think this is the way I want to do it through the uh, through the off season um, and uh, definitely going to be working uh, a lot harder. Well, not that I haven't been working hard, but really, really, really pushing to get a lot of interviews in here in the off season uh, because uh, we're not going to have so much news to talk about. So we're going to try and keep us up up on the same same schedule here. So 
Uh, feedback, always welcome and encouraged. Rumblestripradio at gmail.com. Of course, the website, rumblestripradio.com. That's where you can find show notes, links, the donate button if you'd be so kind to donate to the show, uh, links to subscribe via iTunes or through your RSS reader. And uh, also, if you could... Um, Write us a review on iTunes. Don't forget subscribe to or um, um, sign up for for Pounce and Twitter and follow follow us over there. Pounce.com forward slash RumbleStrip. Twitter.com forward slash RumbleStrip. So until we talk to you again next time, have fun, be good. Most importantly, keep it on two wheels. We'll talk to you soon. Bye.